Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hi, this is Steve Morse from Deep Purple, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Mark Striegel. John Astronomy. The Talking Metal Podcast. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly, and now your hosts, Mark and John. Hey, welcome to episode 665 of Talking Metal. This is John Astronomy coming to you from Jersey City, New Jersey. Yo, and Mark Striegel here, the two founding members of Talking Metal back in the saddle. Here on episode 665, as John mentioned. You know, at one point, John, I thought 666 would be our last episode. <laughs> I think it will not be our last episode no, because it's I, coming I, up soon. I, You know, and I have to tell you... Confidentially, I haven't even not confidentially because everyone fucking hears, hearing, gonna hear is hearing this. <laughs> but um, I honestly, earlier this, the I don't know if it was earlier this year, probably at this point, late last year, I was actually thinking about it. I was like, you know, it's been such a good ride. Maybe six 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 would be the the episode like to actually ending. and ending. stop it because right. nothing goes on forever, you know. Right. And uh, I thought about it for couple weeks actually and there was a day or two that I was like yep that's it Uh, it'll be the last episode and then I kind of I bailed on it I was like fuck (laughs) right 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 yeah we want to keep talking metal alive yeah and 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 I'll tell you there's already people probably already know because we're gonna be I hope you're gonna be with me but I I will definitely be at the oh yeah the pod fest yeah the the rock and pod fest and the guests keep getting better and better. It's not just, you know, 
Rock and Roll Geek Show and Decibel Geek and Talking Metal and Talk Tomy podcast hanging out. We're getting like actual like rock stars like uh, some of the guys from Cinderella. Eric, um, what's his name? Britain Brittingham. Brittingham is going to be there now. I, Mark Slaughter is going to be hanging out. I think Max Norman, the the great Ozzy and Megadeth producer, will be there. Cool. Uh, so it's going to be lots of people selling vinyl. Uh, it's going to be a great, great event. It's in Nashville, Tennessee. It's on August 26th. And oh. we've sold one of our spots, our guest spots. Uh, and what I mean by that is there are three spots available. And you can actually host an episode of Talking Metal with us. We'll record it right there at the expo on August 26th in Nashville, Tennessee. It's a $75 donation to the GoFundMe page, which will be linked through today's show notes of episode 665 on TalkingMetal.com. And that helps pay for the venue and stuff. Like, that's not even, that's not going into my pocket or John's pocket or anyone's pocket. That's just to help cover the costs of the entire thing. Uh, And and we've sold one, and there's two more opened, and basically... You get to come on and chat with us for 30 minutes. You pick the topics. You pick the songs. Uh, ask John about Ace. Ask me about whatever you want. And, and uh, you know, w- whatever you want to do, we can do on the podcast. And it's a $75 uh, donation. And what you do is when you make that pledge to the GoFundMe page, just note that it's for a guest spot on the Talking Metal podcast. And again, the way you find this is you can go to TalkingMetal.com, go to the Talking Metal section, and find our podcasts. And in that, you click on uh, the episode 665, or really any episode, and you go down and it'll have the the links to the GoFundMe page. Uh, I was looking to see if... uh, I had the links up. I think I forgot to put the links in last week's episode. (laughs) (laughs) I need to revise it. Uh, We'll add them. Yeah. Um, So the GoFundMe page is actually gofundme.com slash rock n pod expo. R-O-C-K-N-P-O-D-E-X-P-O. It's going to be a great, great weekend. A lot of people coming in. Greg Renoff, who wrote the uh, Van Halen book, he's been a guest here on the podcast, I think, like four times. He will be there. It's going to be a lot of rock and metal talk going on at the Rock and Pod Expo. John, I'm sorry I called it Podfest. Podfest, (laughs) whatever. Ozfest, Podfest. Again, GoFundMe.com slash Rock and Pod Expo. Aren't we also going to be giving away some A stuff? Yes, yes, thank you. For $40, and again, this is all done through the GoFundMe page that I just mentioned, you can get a copy of the book that John co-wrote with Ace, No Regrets, and you'll sign it, right, John? You'll sign it and personalize it to the people. And John also said he would throw in with that a uh, a copy, or not a copy, a uh, 8x10 glossy signed by Ace himself, right? Yes, absolutely. Cool. So that's that. And some guitar picks, too. I'll throw in some bonus picks, ace picks. Excellent. Excellent. Probably actually kiss picks. <laughs> actually, probably kiss farewell tour picks. Oh, nice. Nice. What? But I got directly from uh, Ace's place. 
Wow. Okay. You've given me some of those, right? They have the different cities on cities. On yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are yeah, very and the cool. farewell tour. Yeah. He had uh, a different pick for every city. Wow. And what's pretty neat is that there were a couple of like canceled or postponed shows or something on that tour, but the picks were still made. So those are like really rare if you happen to get one of those wow. because it's like a pick from a show that technically didn't exist. But these, these picks all directly came from, from uh, Ace's studio. Wow, very cool. So check that out. We'll have all the incentives up in the uh, show notes on TalkingMetal.com. And Perfect. John, you want to tell the uh, the listeners who we have on today's show? Yes, we have Steve Morse from Deep Purple, uh, a great guitar player. Uh, this guy has a lot of history, not only with Deep Purple, but uh, uh, as a just one of the greatest guitar players I remember up at Berkeley. And, yeah. and we were talking about this earlier. Like he was one of the guys that all of our guitar player friends, uh, you know, really looked up to, and uh, just has been known in the uh, I call it like the musician world is, is just being like a world class, top notch guitar player. Yeah, I mean, can play rock, can play country, can play jazz, can play fusion. This guy does it all, and he is a master at at it. I mean, what a great guitar player. And it was a true honor to speak with him. I've always been a massive fan of Deep Purple. And they are coming around on their, what appears to be, at least from the sounds of this interview, their final run of shows here in the U.S. So another of the all-time greats, it looks like we'll be uh, hanging up their hat alongside wow. Black Sabbath and Motley Crue and so many other bands. It's kind of yep. it's kind of the end of of you know the rock era. All these just classic great bands. Yeah. You know, they're not going to go on that much 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 longer. I mean, as as we get into our our mid to late forties, at least that's where John and I are at this point in our lives. You know, these guys, some of these guys are 20, 25 years older than us. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, going out in the road, as you know, John, it's, it's, uh, it's hard. It's It's hard hard for me. (laughs) It's hard for me and it's it's hard for anyone. And, uh, let alone like, uh, you know, like, like for example, if, if my, you know, my dad's a guitar player and he's the, you know, in the same age group, a lot of these guys are are in. And, uh, you know, I think it'd be pretty rough to be, you know, for him to be getting up every day and flying, you know, all over the place and taking tour buses. See, I'm sure he could do it, but it would be tough. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I haven't played a gig in a little while. You've, you've done gigs more often than I have of in years of late, but you know, I would always give my all, but I, I like I would play a gig at the Continental, you know, a club in New York City's East Village, and you know, I'd jump up and down for forty five minutes straight and play my heart out and sing my heart out. But the next day I would just be absolutely destroyed. You know. Yeah. So you know, and I know some of these older guys aren't jumping around like they used to and <clears throat> of course I would go out and then drink until four in the morning after the gig, <laughs> which I'm sure also added to that. But but literally, my muscles would be be sore, and this is yeah. this is when I was in my my twenties and thirties. So you know, I, I can't imagine just the the beating that your body just takes. Oh uh, yeah, I'll tell you the truth. I was talking to Ace about this very same subject because um, I've done like three gigs with Like It in the last couple of years, and the the like I think it, it was either John's ba- current band, guys, great band, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think it was the the second gig, um, at, at the first or second gig. After the gig, I I was just so wiped out. I I went into 
the basement of the like house on this estate that we we did a gig at and uh i was just sitting there and i was like literally wiped out and what was it was kind of funny because a, a bunch of people came up and wanted to talk to me and it, it i it, it was i don't think that they necessarily were like oh my god this like it show was so great we want to talk to to like the guy who was playing the guitar. It was more like, I think the people wanted to talk to me because I wanted to, you know, some of them were just my good friends, but uh, I think some people wanted to talk about Ace and this, that, and the other thing. And it was right. all cool. Everybody was great. But I was like sitting there going like, <gasps> you know, I was out of breath and, and I was just kind of thinking to myself, man, I wish everybody could just give me like five minutes to like catch my breath. And then I, I'll, I'll, you know, perk back up and I'd be happy to talk to everybody. So, and you know, it was no offense to anybody who wanted to talk to me, but I was like wiped out. I couldn't handle it. And I told Ace, I said, Ace, I, I said, you know, you're playing these gigs night after night, you know, you're doing like, you know, a 90 minute set and, and, you know, and then you do a meet and greet. And I was like, I don't know how you do it. I said, I did like a freaking six song set. I was ready to die like after it. And, and, you know, and I'm 20 years younger than you. And he goes, John, he goes, I'm just a professional. I've been doing this for, you know, 40 some years. He goes, I, 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 he goes, "I, I don't know what to tell you other than, you know, I am just used to this. And, and, and I guess it really is true. Like, uh, you know, he, he just is so used to doing this kind of stuff that it it doesn't, you know, he, I guess it's like an athlete, like, you know, you gotta, you know, train and, you know, the more you you do it, the the easier it gets. Whereas I hadn't played that many gigs and I play six songs and I'm ready to freaking, you know, kill over. So (laughs) (laughs) although, you know, it's so funny. The last like a gig was on New Year's Eve and I did not have uh, any drinks uh, that whole night. And I'll tell you the truth. I, I felt great after the gig it was like a it was kind of a you know that's kind of a rare thing to not have any drinks on on the day of a gig but uh you know for at least me and you yeah yeah on new year's eve yeah and uh good for you uh i'll tell you yeah it was it was amazing but i i think believe it or not i i I played better that night uh than i ever played before and i don't know if it was no drinking thing or whatever it was but um i don't even know if i'll be able to top that like i think that was that might have been my you know, best and last best gig. <laughs> Even if I play again, I don't know. I think that if, if you didn't see that gig, it'll, it's all going down. From oh, here. Well, I doubt <laughs> I'm that. kidding. I'm just thanks. Speaking <laughs> of a great gig, this is from a, a Deep Purple concert back in 1999. This is with Steve on guitar. Uh, Deep Purple classic. This is Fireball live.
That was Fireball, the live version. Yes, from 1999. That's on Spotify and, and iTunes. You can buy it. Oh man, the great John Lord on the keys on that. What a what a loss, man. I know. You know, it's yeah. just. Oh man, what just such a classic, classic uh, sound that guy had, and that song yep. definitely really highlights how great John Lord was. And I am so excited for you guys to hear this this really good interview with with Steve, the current guitar player of Deep Purple, former guitar player of Dixie Dregs and Kansas, and this guy, his resume just goes on and on and on. Let's, uh, you want to do this? You want to get into it, John? Yeah, why don't we get into the interview, and then we'll hear a little bit more from Steve, and then me and you will come back and uh, wrap it up. Right on. This is Time for Bedlam. Brand new Deep Purple on Talking Metal, followed by my interview with Steve Morse from Deep Purple.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the line, legendary guitar player, former guitarist of Kansas, and of course the Dixie Dregs, current guitar player of Deep Purple, Steve Morris. How are you, Steve? Doing great. How are you? Uh, I'm excellent, and I've been a longtime fan of Deep Purple, and I got to tell you, I am absolutely digging the new record, the 20th Deep Purple record, Infinite. Uh, sounds like a classic Deep Purple record to me. So right out of the box, uh, when you guys go into the studio to do a Deep Purple record, how much of the Deep Purple iconic sound and brand do you have to uh, think about when making a record? Is there a conscious effort to be like, we got to make this sound like a Deep Purple, Purple record, or does it just naturally come together like that? Well, I think the the band can go in lots of different directions, and there was there was always a shred of of direction before we do an album project. And in fact, one of the one of the things we all agreed on was we we're going to try to keep this kind of riffy, simple feel, but with some surprises. In other words, it's okay, Morris, to come up with some weird stuff, but you know, the majority of what we need is is good rock and roll feel. Right. So that's that. My way of doing that is is to you know sort of introduce the ideas that I think would work, and do that in great quantity. Right. Because okay. you know it's it's like it's trying to sell a, I don't know a pair of shoes to to somebody that's really picky. You know you what are the odds you're going to bring in two pairs of shoes and they're going to love them both? It's it's just it's just not going to happen. So you need to keep bringing in ideas and then that way the, the the collective soul of the band picks what they want to work on okay and one of the best ways we do that is just by jamming right you know everybody you know will sort of everybody sees the jam as being you know natural and and non-directed but you know, sometimes i do sort of try to push things on the band during a jam and see if it catches hold and oftentimes that's uh, that's that's the best way to to get something. Uh, you know, if if everybody sort of latches onto it and really likes it, then you know it's going to work. So you dis you described it as I think selling a, a pair of sh uh, a shoes to somebody who's really picky. What what who who's really picky? Is it is it is certain members of 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 Deep Purple more than others? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, and I actually, I, I let me take that back. Let me that's, just say they're all really picky. And that's not and a Bob bad Desmond thing. Is more, no, no, it's not a bad thing at all. It's it's even harder to to get something that Bob Ezrin likes right. too. So, um, you know, there there's a little bit of uh, attrition that you know, like that happens sometimes too quickly, and in which case I'll I'll go back and. You know, give it a little time to come back with a slightly different thing and say, look, this, I know I floated this idea before, but I really think this is going to work. Right. And, and, and it's, you know, if you can make a little demo of it, it's even better because everybody can sort of see what you're talking about. 
Like the middle part of the surprising was something like that. It it was me just, I demoed it up, sort of mocked it up, the the instrumental um, version, you know, the instrumental part that was in lieu of a guitar solo. Okay. Because, you know, I I just found that that work with Bob, that, that if I do my normal, you know, stylistic, little shreddy bed, little melodic bed, and back and forth, or whatever feels natural to me, that he would generally... You know, just not like it. That hmm. that he he wanted me to do more melodic or or you know, I guess classic rock sounding stuff. You know, you mentioned the song, and that, that the surprising, that's always been the case though with him. Yeah, the the surprising great great song by the way. But to me, there's there's a, a real mood to that song, almost a, a dark mood, if if you will. And there's a lot of the songs that are like that. They're not just your typical standard songs. They kind of take you someplace, take you on, on a journey. Is, is that Ezrin's influence? Yeah, he's a big, he's a big fan of, if you're going to be moody, then, you know, really take, take me somewhere. Like he, he says, let it develop. Don't, don't rush it. Give me, give me, some of that that mood and and uh you know give me lots of descriptive colors and and he you know i mean you could just see his influence right of, of how he must have interacted with the guys in pink floyd you know when they did the the classic albums that, that they when that they worked with bob on absolutely he, he really loves to, to to encourage the band to take it out sometimes right uh, another song I, I love off the record, uh, "Birds of Prey." Again, just just kind of this journey, moving to different places, and I just wanted to ask you if you had any memories of of that song coming together. Yes, I, I remember when uh, we were all in the in the room in Nashville, and and we had had this idea and, and been kicking around, and and he had. Um, he sort of hadn't been feeling it, but he just, it just sort of just sang a little bit of something. And, you know, Bob has like Superman hearing and he can, you know, he can hear while somebody's talking to him on the phone and somebody else is, is having a conversation. If somebody does something in a far corner of the room, he's like, what was that? Play that again. What, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> he, he sort of did that. And, it, and he was like urging Ian on. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's a pet. Yeah, I can feel that. Yeah, that would be good. And and I watch it go from a tune that it may not make it to um, to yeah, one of our favorites because yeah. you know because I guess just you know that the perfect thing a producer could do is take a just a, the tiniest shred of even a, a doubtful little attempt at, at something that no one's paying attention to and to say, yes, go with that. Give me more of that. Right. Right on. And that was, that was a memorable part of that song for me. Yeah. You know what, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a small part of the song, but I just wanted to ask you there about three minutes in, you hear this thing that's reminds me of, of like the Hendrix backwards guitar that he used to do where he'd, he'd flip the tape over. I mean, it sounds like a backwards guitar. Do you know the part I'm talking about? 
Yeah, it now, is. <laughs> how do you do that? Like <laughs> nowadays, where bands, I'm assuming you guys probably weren't recording on tape. Is that do you do you have a, a, a guitar pedal that does that, or do you? How do you actually get that backwards guitar sound in 2017? Well, I did it almost exactly the way I used to do it with tape, which is, you know, write out the chords frontwards and then write them out backwards, and then play over that but with an offset, like when, when I do it with tape, I would have to think, you know, start the solo a beat late, and, you know, do a, do a back, a click track once the tape is flipped over that, that starts a beat late because it takes right. a while for the backwards notes to do, develop when they're, right. you know, after you're doing it. And so I did that and, and just, re, you know, flipped it over digitally. Okay. And, and I, that was something I mocked up at, it uh you know using my my laptop and and sort of had to sell bob and everybody on because you know they were like ah backwards uh, no. I, yeah, said, no, Look, I just i think for the for the mood it, would, it, it could be cool yeah no it works really well it's uh it's great it's great um one night in vegas another another song that i am really enjoying off the record that just has this uh just amazing groove to it. Was that something that came about again through just jamming you guys, you guys all getting together and jamming in a room? Yeah. One night in Vegas is a perfect example. It was, I think we were in Portugal when we were, we were, you know, Ian Gillen lived a lot of his time in, in Portugal and we, he has friends there from other English bands. And in fact, we was bass player from other name. His place is where we were recording the, the basis of iron maiden yes he had a he had a, a studio uh, enterprise there and it wasn't quite finished so we we got to just you know use it for our writing session and i remember being in in portugal uh as we were kind of jamming that tune you know before it before it became a song right right and it's it's just it's just feel you know Don's got all amazing chops and dexterity, but sometimes he just loved to just sit down and come up with a groove sure. at, on the organ. And, and of course that's Pacey's trademark. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, you know, the lyrics of that, that song are also, are also just a, a, a great story. Is there any, do you know anything about where those lyrics come from? Is there any truth to that story? Everything he writes and this is my theory, is that there's autobiographical elements to it. But he also likes to write... Uh, I've seen him make up characters that were amalgamations of, you know, people he'd known that were just, you know, just amazing or preposterous to him. And he, he would, you know, roll that into a person and sometimes give them a name. Right. And uh, one of the, one of the songs he, he was describing doing that to me uh, in, in a song called Ted the Mechanic on our, on our first album together. But yeah, I, I believe he writes a lot from experiences, observations, and he loves to do ironic stuff. Like he'll take a phrase that uh, might mean something in a you know a Welsh dialect or something, and and incorporate that as a second meaning he, he's an expert an absolute expert at those cryptic crossword puzzles 
because of that, you know, because everything they're all about you, you, you come up to one thing and then what does that mean? What's the ultimate meaning in that is, is the real clue. Absolutely. Cool. And you mentioned Ezrin and this is your, your second record with him, right? At my third, but third. the band's second. What, because what was, of Kansas. Oh, did, okay. You did a Kansas record with him. Are you the guy who, yeah. who initially brought Ezrin to Deep Purple? Well, I was an enthusiastic supporter. Yeah. And, and it, it took Bob being interested. And these kind of things really happen when the record company uh, has an interest in it. Right. Or the manager. Or, or, I, I don't think the band really thought that they needed a producer. I'm sure we can always put together an album without a producer, but I like, I like the challenge and I like the fact that he pushes everybody. You know, he was not just hard on me. He was hard on everybody, you know, giving, giving them challenges all along the way. Right on. And I think you just get more, more for your time. You know, when, when you have somebody as smart as he is and he has got incredible, you know, computer like memory. Cool. So, so he, yeah, he'll remember like, you know, yesterday, no, no, more smart. That thing you did yesterday that it was after the second bar you, and you, and he'll sing the part. Wow. And yes, it's just incredible musical recall. So I could see, I could see his thumbprint on everything he's done, you know, after working with him, you see how, how involved he is. You could say, wow, wow he could. Yeah, he could make anybody sound better. <laughs> right. Cool. Now you know it's 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 interesting when you look at the long career that that Deep Purple has had. I mean, at this point, we got to be going on like forty, forty eight, forty nine years of of this band. Um, and an amazing thing, you know, I never really thought of, but you've been in that band. I mean, there's been numerous different guitar players, but you've been in that band really at this point a lot longer than any other guitar player has ever been in Deep Purple. And and having said that, when you look back at the, I guess it's been 23, 24 years of your time with Deep Purple, what have been some of the uh, the big highlights for you? Wow. There's a lot of highlights. Um, I guess the first gig. Really? And really the first time meeting everybody was just a few hours before the first gig. But we got to jam and uh, just let loose. And it, I thought it was so cool. The guys trusted me to know the material. And the, you know, our, our, our get-together was really about jamming and, and, and seeing if we enjoyed playing together. And you know, I played something, and John Lord just spat it right back to me with the kind of ears that you don't normally hear in a rock musician, more late in a jazz, a very good jazz musician. And uh, uh, in pace was swinging the the feel. I thought this was so cool. And Roger's just he's the all around eclectic, knows every style, loves every style of music. Um, guy who he actually loves to create a, a simple, solid feel, and he does it, you know, just better than anybody. And then Ian Gillen, like, urging me on to to uh, to go, you know, take it out, Steve, go, go. I love it. And it was, that was a big memory for me, just just the first 
time meeting him and oh. and then doing the show. And during the show, I, I screwed up coming out of a section because uh, you know I, I'd been listening to to a couple tapes of a of live gig and I didn't know where the cues were. I just remembered they came out after a certain amount of bars. So so I still uh, you know I, I went to the next part and um, I guess I forgot a section or something because. Uh, Ian Pace uh, cracks the snare and brings it way down, keeps the beat going, and Simmer and Rogers just kind of uh, percolating underneath it. And Ian Gillen sort of sp- is speaking over the microphone. All right, Stevie, that was really good. What do you say? Let's try something like this. And then he starts to sing the next part <laughs> that he's supposed to be playing. Wow. <laughs> it was awesome. It was it was the most awesome thing to me. I mean, of course, I was embarrassed that I, that I you know, had, had missed the... Uh, the entrance, but, you know, the rest of the gig had gone well and everything was fine because, you know, he made it that way. He did, it, it wasn't like not a big deal. It was like, he, it was funny, you know, he yeah. was, he was sort of joking with me and say, wait, that was really good. But what, why don't we try it this way? <laughs> and, and over the microphone for the whole audience and everybody's just like, they're like, Hey, this is cool. They're, they're, they're hanging out with each other. They're talking, man. They're, they're having a good time. Wow. That was another that that's all part of the first day, but you know when we play these gargantuan places where you you know to see a people and all the way to the horizon, that's that's cool and everything, but it's 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 unreal. Yeah. You know that's you're there because you have a brand name and it's a festival with lots of brand names, and it's just an, an event and happening. But I think the you know one of the coolest things was playing in La Paz, Bolivia at thirteen thousand four hundred feet elevation and just seeing the guys you know just gasping for air. I remember if you look at Pacey's back he's got a huge you know, scar almost from stem to stern where you know he had uh, operation doesn't you know doesn't have all of his lung right and somehow he he was playing <laughs> to buy with very little oxygen and David Gillen just screaming these long notes and everything. I was really proud of the guys then. And uh, that 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 gig for some reason really sticks in my mind as one of the strangest things. And another one was in India. First time we played there. And the only way you could play there is if you couldn't play for money. You had to play for a, a charity or something. And we were playing a charity for the children's hospital. But it was it was like two dollars to get in, and it was just the biggest sea of people. And they started pushing up against the stage, and the like. This army of security guys was, you know, pushing them back, and there was nowhere they could go. But instead of rioting, they were just kind of like went into this this mode of I don't know what it was. But they just somehow dealt with it instead of, you know, rioting and killing all the security guys. They right. were putting them in an impossible situation. And another time in Chile, when they, they oversold the, the stadium and people were climbing up on the light platforms and towers above the sound men out in, out in the audience. Wow. And and there was about seven or eighty people on it. As soon as we started playing, they started shaking back and forth, rocking out, and it and fell over into the crowd. I mean, dozens of people went to the hospital. But it was at night, 
And when it fell over, it severed and shorted the cable. So there's no light all of a sudden. There's, of course, no power. Right. And and we were just kind of, what do we do? Uh, and and we stayed there, and to you know just trying to figure what happened. They they took people to the hospital and said everybody's going to be all right. Let's let's go on and and they, so they straight wired the the sound to the uh, side mix, you know, to the monitor mixer on the side. Right. Straight wired the lights all on, and we played the show. And the, later found out that was on one of those little uh, uh, mail. Uh, you know, sold on TV um, compilations of disasters. <laughs> oh, wow. It, it was called Censored uh, from TV right? or something like that. And it, it was, you know, what happens when a rock band plays two rock? <laughs> or something. And they, they didn't even identify which band it was. It was just, right. they just showed the audience, you know, Crazy. the mayhem. You know. Crazy stuff. Well, but I... there, there's been a lot of good stuff. Like playing outside in the snow during a blizzard, playing in a typhoon with the rainwater shorting out our instruments until we had no more instruments left. We wow. played all the guitars and everything until everything was shorted out because they had been sitting out in that rain for hours. Wow. Crazy stuff. Great stuff. Uh, thanks for sharing that. You know, I know we're here to talk about Deep Purple today, but, but real quick, do you ever uh, plan on doing another solo record? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't think the world's waiting on anything. Like, uh, you know, it's it just got to be the right time, and uh, you know, it's just it's just very personal stuff. Like somebody, you, you know, doing pain, paintings when they're relaxing, and and uh, hope somebody will appreciate it someday. But I've got lots of ideas. There's certain. I got lots of ideas going and the, you know, flying colors project is, is you, you know, taking some of the ideas, but I've got a lot left. So I'm, I'm definitely saving up for uh, uh, either Steve Morse or, or uh, Dixie Dregs project. Cool. Cool. Um, and it just, uh, I, I know we're running out of time here, but just a couple more questions. Um, sure. when, when you were a teenager, who were some of your favorite guitar players? Oh, all the, all the usual suspects, you know, Clapton, Hendrix, Beck, Page, uh, Jim McCarty, um, let me see, uh, Steve Howe, the Johnny Winter. Right. We, we just, and then, you know, later, as I got, got in my late teens, John McLaughlin and, you know, sort of taking it more out. Right, sure. With my vision to touch stuff. But I, I enjoyed, you know, and, you know, very early from the Beatles and just the sound of the guitar was amazing to me. And um, I think, you know, Chuck Berry, the Beatles, Stones, the Kinks, Yardbirds, every, every one of their songs had guitar in it and the guitar was driving it so rhythm guitar was was really the biggest thing and then really? once you start that you know you really you really want to play solos and stuff yeah and i think chuck berry was the first influence for me you know playing a solo that was the first solo i ever learned was johnny be good wow well wow. now you know 
Chuck Berry, do you, you know, there were other guitar players or, you know, Muddy Waters and, of course, going way back, Robert Johnson and guys like that. But in, in a way, do you do you feel that, that Chuck Berry is the first guy to to bring electric blues to to the masses? Is that a fair statement? I wouldn't call it blues. I I call it rock and roll. Uh, yeah, I I think that the the actual rock and roll. You know, like like the twist, the Chuck Berry, the, the sort of like the swinging mixed with straight feel, and I I think he he sort of personified it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, you know, Deep Purple is heading out on the road with Alice Cooper and Edgar Winter in the States. And, and I think there's a date in Canada, too, August 12th to September 2nd. We want to make sure all the listeners uh, get to see you guys. I will be there on August 28th in New Jersey when you come through to the PNC Arts Center. And, you know, I, I know you're you're younger than the other guys in the band, but but. I get. I don't really think anyone would uh, would call anyone in the band a, a, a young man anymore. So you know, I guess my question is: is how, how much longer can Deep Purple go on? Do you do you do you see an ending to it? Has there been any talk about retirement? Yeah, this is this. As far as I know, this is our last big tour. This is it. This is it. And we're you know we've still got the Southern Hemisphere and maybe the Far East. Some sections that haven't been done, but in in 2017. But they, you know, the guys want to go until they drop dead. But I think it, it'd be great to finish this tour, and even if, if we're not doing tours again, at least get together for some recording or maybe a you know special get together, play some benefit or something. Right, but but yes, I think at some point it, it's it's appropriate, and and I'd love to see the band go out on a high, like like it is now. Absolutely, absolutely. the The new record is is just great, classic Deep Purple. Um, are are you guys billing it as as the final tour, or or is or is that just something you've spoken about among yourselves? Well, the guys are. They don't want to face it, but they know they know it is. Right. Okay. And they they they've gone so far as to call it the the long goodbye tour. Okay. That was actually the uh, the uh, manager that did that, and the guys are a little poo pooing that, you know, because they don't they don't want to you know commercialize it. You know, everyone gets old. Everybody has a last tour, but they there there's a little bit of resistance from the band to commercialize it, but. It, I I don't I don't see the problem with letting people know that hey you know it's your last chance yeah yep I I could be wrong and there there have been bands that have uh, retired and then come out of retirement yeah lots of them but <laughs> we have a lot of guys that are going to be in their seventies right or that are in their seventies so I you know I don't know how how likely all that is cool well. I'm looking forward to it. Alice Cooper, Edgar Winter, Deep Purple, starting August 12th in the States. Can't wait. The new record is out now, and it is great. The 20th studio album by Deep Purple, Infinite. Steve, great job on this record. 
thank you so much and I, I really appreciate you you doing this for us well I appreciate you speaking with us thank you have and, a great uh, evening appreciate you doing it thank you bye bye the night I fell apart I begged her lover not to go away But she went and broke my heart I found myself in a Vegas bar With a whole new set of friends I seen through the bottom of an empty flashlight Looking through a fisheye lens That was One Night in Vegas, some brand new Deep Purple available on iTunes. Yeah, the new album is great. Bob Ezrin, can't go wrong with Bob Ezrin. I mean, so many Correct. of the, my favorite records of all time. The Wall, Kiss Destroyer, Revenge, of course. Yeah, the all Elder. That, the Elder, yeah, all that classic <laughs> Alice Cooper stuff. Uh, I mean, Peter Gabriel, I mean, oh, it goes on and on and on. He's such a talent. He's done even this band Coolish Shaker. I don't know if you remember them. They were kind yeah, of like yeah, this I do remember them. Psychedelic yeah. version of uh, Oasis, kind of like back in the I gotta say early to mid '90s. 
And yep. I used to love those guys. They were great. And, I, and of course, uh, Bob Ezrin did it. That's very cool. Yeah, I yeah. got to meet him once or twice. Uh, not even sure how, but I, I know. Isn't Derek good friends with him? Uh, yeah, friend no, Derek? I, I our had, friend I Derek. I had lunch. Yeah, I had lunch with Bob Ezrin. Uh, believe it or not, with Derek wow. in <clears throat> Las Vegas in two thousand, year two thousand. I was out there working for Derek Sivers, a friend of uh, mine and and John's, who ran a company called CD Baby, and then he sold CD Baby for a, just a a buttload of money. Uh, <laughs> but when he was doing CD baby, I would occasionally work, do some work for him and was actually the, uh, one of the first, first? CDs ever, the first CD to ever be released yep. by CD baby was, was my CD captain T was the, the band or the artist. Yep. And it was called U S aliens. John, you yep. did some songwriting on that record. Yeah. Uh, yep. And I got a, I got a great story and I'm sorry to cut you off, but, uh, yeah. Can I, can I tell him about the tang? Sure. Yeah, I have some tang actually in my uh, cupboard right now. But uh, there, there's a uh, alien planet uh, on the cover of this, and uh, you know it looks like it's in the desert. And in reality, uh, Derek made that out of tang. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, I forgot that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Tang, and that's the drink that yeah. astronauts first uh, took right. it out so of space back in the day. There's a tie-in. It looks like a like a orange planet. And uh, astronauts actually drank Tang. Guys, this is old school. This is technically the Scorpions, but in my mind, it is Michael Shanker. This is one of the greatest instrumental songs of all time, at least to me it is. This is Coast to Coast. Check it out here on Talking Metal.
That was Coast to Coast off the Love Drive record by the Scorpions. But in a way, that song to me just reeks of Michael Shanker, and that's because he wrote it along with Rudolph. It's a co-write between the two of them. And he his playing. I mean, you just cannot deny the signature sound of Michael Shanker, one of the... One of the greatest guitar players of our time, I, I think. And, you know, it's all about, like like a guy like Jeff Beck, like Michael does not have to rip a bunch of licks playing super fast. He just has such a unique style. There's something about that, the way his fingers touch that fretboard and, and the tone he gets, not just from the effects, but really I just from his personality bleeding through uh, that, that just is always so recognizable like that song right there, coast to coast, Michael Shanker and the Scorpions off the love drive record. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, so yep. Scorpions touring with Megadeth, John, I don't know if you heard that. You know what? I think I did hear it. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting. Two bands yeah. I love. I'd love to check that out. Yeah. Definitely, I I, lo- I love both groups. Uh, remember when we interviewed Herman Rarebell at a hotel in Manhattan? Yes. Yeah. He gave us some drumsticks. He was really a great guy. He was he such really a cool was. guy. Yeah, former Scorpions drummer Herman yeah. Rarebell. I have his solo record somewhere that Don Dockin does some some singing on. Cool. And uh, yeah, on that note, uh, what's up with Ace? He doing any any touring? Any yes. shows coming up? Yeah. So uh, we just announced on uh, Tuesday, and. Uh, I, I I believe it was that might even already been Wednesday at midnight or something in Australia. But uh, Ace Fraley is joining Alice Cooper on Alice's "Spend the Night with Alice Cooper" 40th anniversary tour of Australia and New Zealand. So uh, very good. Uh, definitely um, go to acefraley dot com. You can uh, find out all the amazing, details. By the way. That's that's cool. Um, Never uh, been there, but the yeah. pictures I see. And <laughs> cir- to circle back to the guy we were talking about earlier, Derek Sivers, the founder of CD Baby, he lives in New Zealand now. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's got that's a, amazing. He's got a kid, a single dad. He's living over there in New Zealand. So. Wow. When did he move there? He moved there, oh, probably like six years ago maybe wow. i'm guessing yeah five, i didn't know five that. years ago i'm not sure good for him yeah. good for him that's great so um and let me mention one other thing so uh right now if you go to acerelly.com you can go to the tour date section and you could see a list of the shows um there are several shows in australia and then two shows uh at the moment in new zealand and there's uh, another date uh, listed up there. It's uh, August 19th, 2017. Ace will be at PsychoFest at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. Now, this is not like one of Ace's like you know autograph signing things. Like that's like a three day thing. This is an actual like rock festival, like where bands are playing Who else concerts. Is playing, you know? So, uh, I, uh, King Diamond is head is one oh, of the nice. headliners. Yeah, and uh, Ace, and uh, I think that band. Uh, it, there, there's a like. Uh, uh, Brian Jonestown Massacre, I think, is playing, and uh, a bunch of there's like a zillion bands. Like I, I'm, I'm not even kidding. There's there's a lot of bands. They're they're. Uh, you going out for that? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go out for that, and uh, so so definitely check that out as well. Uh, Mark, hey, maybe you should come out for that. It'd it be like a cool fun. thing. It's actually the week right before the uh, Rock and Pod Expo. It's like the okay. the weekend before well, it might that. Be a little difficult. Yeah, that's what I, I was a little nervous because I was like, oh, God, uh, you know, I hope that's not the same day as the, the Rock and Pot Expo, but it's not. It's the pr- 
previous weekend. So it looks like I will be, uh, you know, having two busy weekends um, right on. doing that. And, and, and you're going to, it sounds like, I'm just finding this out today, but it sounds like you are confirmed to join Emily and myself uh, down at M3 to participate in all the, the Talking Metal interviews and stuff. We're going to be yes, down yes. there just uh, next weekend. So coming right. coming soon, this weekend, actually, because we'll post this on, on Tuesday. So it's this coming weekend. Uh, we're all going to be heading down there and all doing interviews and hanging out and enjoying a great weekend of some classic hard rock and heavy metal. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, a lot of lot of great bands: uh, Kicks, Faster Pussycat, Dangerous Toys, Winger, Rat, Cinderella's, Tom Kiefer, Dark and Warrant, Jack Russell's Great White, Dixon, Loud. Oh, Loudness not yeah, playing. No loudness. Uh, no loudness. Yeah. yeah. So I, a lot I, of other great bands, though, definitely yeah. still worth uh, worth coming to see. Yeah. Uh, Lita Ford is going to do a special acoustic set. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, it'll, definitely. It'll be, it'll be a real fun weekend. And if I'm not going to stay for Sunday, I don't know if you're staying. John, but uh, nah, I, I'd love should be to. Interesting. It's like a uh, you know rock country day, like Charlie Daniels and Molly Hatchet. Yeah, and yeah. I would love Leonard to Skinner. stay for that, but I I got uh, you know I got to get back to to you know New York. But right. uh, unless you know, who knows? Things could change. But at the moment, uh, unfortunately, I will miss Sunday. But uh, yeah, it's going to be great. You know, here's the deal. I know this is currently in the news. Um, what's up with loudness not being uh, allowed to? Uh, you know, gain entry into the uh, there's you know a lot of debate and discussion and stuff going on about it, but it it appears that they be, they're they're claiming this came out today on on Brave Words that they, they spoke to a Japanese newspaper. They're claiming that because of stricter immigration laws, that they were denied entry. So there was some debate online was saying, well, back in 2014, they, they were denied entry, too. That's actually false. They clarified that today in the article. They said they canceled that for personal reasons in 2014. They did play uh, an East Coast tour in 2011. They, they played, uh, I think it was more a West Coast tour in 2015, and then they were also in the country in 2016 to uh, board the Monsters of Rock cruise. cruise right. So they've been in the country, you know, the last two years, 2015 and 2016, and they are claiming that because of stricter immigration policies, they were not permitted into the country. Now... That still leaves some questions, like as to, was there an arrest record in the past? Was there something? Uh, to me, there there must have been something. They yeah, it would seem out like their there paperwork had to be wrong. Else. Yeah, they, you know, it could be as simple as that. They filled out their paperwork wrong. They somebody's passport wasn't up to date. They, you know, there there was something that was flagged. Uh, right. And and that could be that could have existed when they were here last year and the year before. And it wasn't flat and, you know, it wasn't flagged at that point. But we don't really know, to be honest, John. We just right. know that for whatever reason, they were not uh, allowed access into the country. And I'm curious. I'd like to hear more about it and hear why they weren't uh, allowed access. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But a, a great band. Uh, I've always been a fan. Oh, of yeah. So you, you know who I really like? The band Vane. 
that yeah, they're, and, they're and playing. They will be at M three, so that's going to be that's yeah. going to be another one too. I okay. I saw. I'm trying to think if I saw Vane at the limelight or if I saw Davy Vane and Steven Adler play at the limelight. Because I'm pretty. Didn't they have a band together? Davy Vane and Steven have. Adler. They may have. Yeah. I don't know. I don't and, know. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, hey, by the way, um, I don't know if you heard, and it's kind of a sad thing. I, well, here's a positive thing that the band Autograph is playing. But uh, the dr- drummer from all the classic Autograph uh, records has passed away. Yeah, I, I did hear that, and that is sad. I know the current version of Autograph. I think it's two original members. I need to. I should probably research that before we go down and. Uh, end up interviewing them or something but I, I know steve lynch is still there yeah but he was great he steve yeah. my friends always love steve lynch as a great guitar player, player. Yeah, great player. yeah um yeah the drummer who passed away his name was kenny richards uh and he was he was the guy that put an x as his autograph and and that that video that that uh what's what's that main song they have turn uh, up the radio turn up the radio yeah he, he like he went to sign this thing and it was an x and then he it said like you know not computing or something like right. on his headband and uh and then steve plunkett was like the you know singer back then and uh he, he is a he's not in it anymore right he's it. not in it uh they the thing with steve plunkett is that he has a great career in like writing music for tv or movies yeah, or something scores like that. films and tv shows yes yeah yeah and uh, but Randy Rand is uh, I believe he's the bassist and he is uh, in the band as well right now. Right. So right, so two so. two of the classic members, if you will, are, are yeah. still there. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to see them and all the bands you mentioned. It's going to be a great weekend. And really, I mean, you had hinted that you might be coming down, but literally, I, I think I right before we started recording this podcast, John kind of confirmed to me that he's coming down. Yes. So I am excited for that. We'll be hanging with Emily and our friend Ian and uh, hopefully a lot of a lot of interviews and stuff taking place. Um, I did want to mention just a couple little things before we get out of here, John. The Amazon links. Guys, you've always been good using those. I haven't hyped them for, for a number of episodes, but remember, they're there. I know all you guys make purchases on Amazon, so just go to Talking Metal first and use our Amazon links to click over. Then just go about your business as usual. No additional charge, no additional markup, just an additional step, and that helps us out. We have a PayPal tab. You can give us a PayPal donation if you choose, and you can definitely come and join us August 26th in Nashville and co-host an episode, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the the show. Uh, it would be great to, to see you guys out in Nashville, and if you're down at M3, definitely track, track us down, say hello. Uh, I think that's about it. You know, look for John on the road with Ace, right, John? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, unfortunately not going to be um, going on the uh, tour to Australia um, because, uh, you know, I have my, my gig in, in New York and sometimes uh, going out of the country is, is not possible um, just due to how long a, the the trip would be. And I, I have, you know, I uh, my full-time uh gig in the television industry so um i can't do that but uh the u.s states i'll definitely be be on and uh, heading out to uh, vegas and you know who knows what what else will be happening uh in 2017 good so it's gonna be good cool 
connect with John on Twitter. We'll have him linked through today's show notes. Yep. I'm on Twitter and uh, Facebook and all that. And yeah, please check out the show notes in the Talking Metal section on TalkingMetal.com. Oh, we also uh, have a news section, on this day section. There's a lot of activity on the site. So definitely visit TalkingMetal.com. What's so that, check, check this out. I had one more thing. I posted some pictures on my Facebook page today of some of my gear. I put like addicted to yeah, gear. I and I got these, I got two new heads. Uh, so like these Randall stacks now have two heads on top. But one of them is, and here's the crazy thing. They, they're the exact same outside as the Paul Stanley Colossus heads. Now here's the funny thing. Um, one of them is just an empty head that the amp is not in there. And I don't even know, I, I found this on eBay and it's killer. Like I could just go get, you know, like a different, uh, Randall head, uh, you know, the, the guts of it and put it in this, you know, outside like right. the, the case and, uh, but it looks great. And then I, I cannot believe this, but I, I found a, uh, Randall RG 100 classic head. Now, uh, Dimebag fans may know that uh, I uh, I believe the RG100 was one of his favorite uh, ever heads, and and this particular head has again the same exact like you know case you know or, you know like the whatever black Tolex they call that as the Paul Stanley Colossus head. So basically, uh, I've got like two stacks, each with two heads on the top. One of them is uh, empty. You know, uh, I like you know a lot of bands have like dummy equipment and stuff like that. I want to tell you one thing, uh, Ace really like all those Marshalls are real. <laughs> like uh, when you wow. go see Ace and he has like four stacks, then he has like three cabs, like you know, uh, front of the drum riser. Like the, we, we don't have any fake stuff. Like we got, uh, you know, you know, you know who uh, was our, our, our still is our Marshall rep is uh, Nick Bocott from uh, Grim Reaper, oh, nice. and uh, we got a bunch of 1960 uh, A and B cabs. Uh, some of them are, you know, the I, I think they call it like AC or BC. They have uh, the uh, like upper grade Celestian speakers. They they all have Celestian speakers, but there are some that have some even better speakers in them and we've got a lot of dsl uh, 100 watt heads and ace has some uh, some other heads as well so uh all you know some of these bands like you, you see these photos like where they have like these fake amps on stage like the the ace stuff uh none of all it real. is fake it's all wow. real. cool cool that's interesting to know for sure john always a pleasure thank yeah. you for for joining us on this episode i will see you at m3 for sure Correct. We will hang, we'll do some interviews, we'll do some partying, it'll be a great weekend, we'll enjoy some great music. We hope to see yep. you guys there too. We are going to end here with a cover. This is a Rush cover, Red Bargetta. Bargetta? Bargetta? How do you say it, John? I don't know. I, I always said it, Red Bargetta, but Bargetta. I, I could be wrong. Who knows? That's how, that's how it's spelled, actually. And this is uh, Steve Morse on guitar and you got james from dream theater on vocals kind of an all-star lineup going on here it's great this is a great great cover of the rush classic here on talking metal featuring our guest big thanks to steve for coming on the show and thanks to karen the publicist who actually lives literally five houses away from me here in maplewood she set that up <laughs> right around the corner um, yeah, so longtime friend of mine, Karen, thanks for setting this up on today's show. And everyone, go buy the new Deep Purple album. It's out now. It's great stuff. Produced by Bob Ezrin, classic Deep Purple, Ian Gillen, Roger Glover, Ian Pace, 
uh, who's on keyboards? Don Don Ar- Don Ari on keyboards, who did all yeah. that classic Aussie stuff. Mr. Yep. Crowley and all that hey, stuff. I have to throw in a real quick uh, sidebar. Um, people sometimes ask me, like, what was you know some of your favorite interviews? And I have to say that um, you know we did a lot of in-person interviews, we did a lot of phone interviews, and I, I, one of my all-time favorite phone interviews was Ian Gillen interview. That was just yeah. a great interview, and, and that was the funny thing. We all three of us were in New York, but we were all in three different places. And no, I was in L.A. Actually, oh, you were in L.A. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, cool. yeah. I was in Santa Monica. I remember right. you you dialed me in, but yeah, I did yeah. that interview from from uh, the Los Angeles area. Okay, and, that's right. And uh, you uh, you dialed me into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm almost <laughs> positive we'd have to go back and. and yeah, no, I, I believe you're right. But I know that even though Ian Gillen was in New York, I believe I, I was in New York. We we still did it via the phone. So, but but that was literally such a great interview. Um, and uh, that was always one of my absolute favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right, John. Well, always a pleasure, and uh, I will see you at M3. Absolutely. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening.